USA is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee, on this Independence Day. It is July 4th of 2023. And so much on the line, hard to believe, hard to imagine that this is where we're at. Fighting enemies of the domestic varieties, we stand opposed to tyranny, all in the name of social wokeness. So we'll continue to fight that fight in the arena of ideas, and hopefully we can win it there rather than have to take the battle elsewhere, but... In the meanwhile, that is going to require everyone standing up, everyone voicing their opinion, and that also means for those of you in the state of Michigan who are now facing full frontal assault on your freedom of speech, as you are now subject to jail time if you hurt someone's feelings, man, it is an insane time. We'll talk more about that later today. I want to make sure that we get to some of the more important stories of the day. Now, that is an important one, don't get me wrong. And some of this may not seem as important, but I will explain to you why. But before we jump into today's broadcast, uh, two things. Number one, thank you so much for the continued support and continued prayers uh, in having to do with our family situation. I do appreciate it, and it is making a difference. So for those of you that are doing so, 
please continue to do so. Uh, it really is uh, very, very helpful, and I appreciate it greatly. Also, number two, when it comes to celebrating our nation's birth, celebrating Independence Day here in the United States, a big part of that is understanding the spirit of 1776, understanding that even if you're someone that buys into the total bunk and malarkey of the 1619 Project, that the spirit of 1776 surpasses that, surplants that, moves us past it. And in order to truly enjoy the blessings of individual liberty, you you have to take individual responsibility for yourself and those that you care for. And a big chunk of that is being self-sufficient. You need to be self-sufficient, then you need to lean heavily on companies like Four Patriots. Uh, the Four Patriot folks, they're trying to do everything to make sure that you are in the best possible situation when things go sideways. Uh, all I'm asking you to do today is to spend a little bit of your uh, great time today visiting the number four patriots.com four patriots.com go visit them and when you see what they have to offer if you decide that there is something you absolutely positively have to have when you place your order for it please use promo code tap that's t-a-p-p -P, during your checkout. That'll save you 10% on your order, and you can't afford not to take advantage of any discounts that are available under Bidenomics. Ugh, sheesh. So remember, uh, one more time, that's 4Patriots, the number 4, Patriots.com. Use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Now, just saying the word Patriot is a bit of a problem these days. And how do we know? Because the Associated Press told us so. They literally started off their Independence Day celebrations uh, with an article explaining why the word patriot has become so problematic in recent years. You see, in the article, the outlet argued that the word has been overtly political and has taken up, it's been taken up by you know, people like you and me, extremist groups. It's been used in ways that made it less about love for the country and more about hatred of certain minority groups. The term, I'm quoting here now, the term patriot in America has become infused in political rhetoric and school curriculums with varying meanings, while also being appropriated by white national group, nationalist groups. The outlet tweeted this along with the link to the full piece. Now, I, 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 let me... Let me give you a little bit more here. Quoting again, today, the word is, the word and its variants have morphed beyond the original meaning. It has become infused in political rhetoric and school curriculums with varying definitions while being appropriated by white nationalist groups alleged in the article, using data from the far-left Southern Poverty Law Center of all places to support their idea, their argument, their statement here. The idea that radical right-wing extremists have co-opted the word. 
quoting again, trying to define what a patriot is, depends on who is being asked. Now, that's simply not true. And anybody that has to rely on the Southern Poverty Law Center to give them their information and their data is already suspect at best. But they also decided to cite the Capitol riot. Uh, on January 6th of 2021, Louisiana State historian Gaines Foster said that extremist groups were beginning to focus on a more revolutionary meaning of the word, saying, quote, people began to lean less towards a commitment to democracy and more to the notion in the Declaration of Independence that there was a right to revolt and to then... <coughs> Excuse me, a right to revolt, and that becomes patriotism. But guess what? While that's not in and of itself true, it's very convoluted. And there's a lot of statements in there. And that very short, well, not exactly short, but a relatively short statement, I'll say, not a short sentence. A lot of things that just aren't true. Uh, leaning towards a commitment to democracy. Anyone that's committed to democracy is committed to the majority ruling over the minority. That's why we don't have a democratic, well, we don't have a democracy. A true democratic form of government, we do not have. What we have <clears throat> is a constitutionally federated republic with democratic principles in play. We want the people to have a say, but we understood that simple majority rule is not appropriate to protect minorities and minority rights. We understood that from the beginning. And a lot of minority groups today don't seem to understand that at all. And the mere fact that extremists pointed out in the arguments against when the government gets too bloated, too large, too corrupt to correct on its own, that the right revolt is in fact part of being a patriot is absolutely a correct statement. Now, that's not a call to action. That's not a call to violence. It's not a call to open revolt, open civil war. It is, in fact, simply a reminder to those in power who they are answerable to and what the end results might be if you do not honor the true will of the people and the Constitution. The Constitution must be in play first and foremost as far as the federal government is concerned. It's lower levels of government that's more directly answerable to the people in a more democratic state. But even then, if you're looking at state governments, it's the constitution of the state that must be first and foremost ahead of the will of the people. Because the will of the people can be fickled. The will of the people can change. It can blow in the wind. You can have a majority, even if it is a slight majority, buying into woke nonsense that is in complete and utter disregard to the rights of their fellow citizens. We see a lot of that these days. Almost uh, the entire notion of wokeness leads to an ignoring of the God-given 
constitutionally protected rights of their fellow citizens. Do what we want or we're going to pitch a fit. And we're seeing a lot of that right now given some of the opinions that have been released from the Supreme Court lately. So much so that the left is challenging the legitimacy of the court and saying things like this is not a normal court. And and now, of course, the left is desperate to try and find a new way to bring back the argument of court packing once again. There's a lot wrapped up in that very simple statement that borderlines on truth and falseness, and it's presented in a way as if it's a negative. But in truth, the way it's generally presented in general arguments is very much a positive. We should not be committed to democracy. We should be committed to a constitutionally constrained republic, because that's the only way to protect the rights of minorities. And when I say minorities, I don't just talk about uh, skin colors or religious groups. I'm talking about ideological minorities as well, because that must be protected in a republic like ours. It doesn't mean that they should have ultimate sway. It doesn't mean they get to pull the levers of power uh, more so than the elders. It doesn't mean that we should have some level of affirmative action to try and equal the playing field. What it does mean is that everyone's opinions must be respected to a degree, must be allowed to be heard, not censored, not squashed, not uh, any effort to try and harm those professionally or personally that might have a different opinion than yours. We must be open because that is part, the best part, I might argue, of what this grand experiment called the United States of America was about. That's why we had separate states, so that people that thought one way could simply move to a state where more people agreed with them, and they could do their things within those states, and they wouldn't be held accountable by those in power in a different state that thinks differently. Lots of little laboratories for freedom, as I'm sure you've heard the phrase before. Now, there were critics that were quick to point out that the timing of the article, if not the subject matter itself, was suspect. Uh, Chad Felix Green, for example, tweeted, just can't help themselves. AP can't even take a break from dividing Americans on Independence Day. Pathetic was another uh, response. AP desperately tries to malign the word patriot on hashtag 4th of July. Only thing it does is remind us of how much they hate U.S. hashtag patriots. That came from Andy Martin. Now, it's pretty obvious what the point as far as the AP is concerned. They want you to enjoy the day, but they don't want you to be too patriotic in how you enjoy the day. They don't want you seeing yourself as an American patriot, because if you see yourself as an American patriot, then you might find yourself wanting to learn more about what the Declaration of Independence actually says and what it actually means. You might find yourself in a position where you want to learn what the Constitution actually says, so that all of a sudden, 
You know, if you were to do that, you may then laugh, scoff, scold, ignore certain elected politicians when they try to tell you that, oh, well, these people are misinterpreting the Constitution. Because you see, if you read it, if you take the time to read it for yourself, and you have a fifth grade or above level reading capacity, you'll quickly learn. You'll quickly come to understand there's not a whole lot of room for interpretation of the Constitution. It's pretty straightforward. There's a few places here and there amongst some of the uh, Bill of Rights, a.k.a. the First Ten Amendments, that requires a little thought and a little historical mm, relevance, I, I guess is a good word there. Uh, you need the context of what was going on in the time to understand what they mean, like for the Second Amendment, when they talk about in order to maintain a well-regulated militia, to understand what a militia was at the time, to understand that how the English language was written, to know that all of that was just part of the preamble. It's not the Second Amendment right that is enshrined, but is an explanation for why at the time they felt it necessary to enshrine it. This is why we thought we needed to do it. Who is the militia at the time? These are historical contexts that you need to know to understand that. That affects your interpretation. But you also need to interpret the fact that as a preamble to the rest of the amendment itself, it's meaningless to the remainder of the context. You cannot write a law that interferes with an individual's right to both own and bear arms. Nobody wants you to know these things, so nobody wants you to take the time to read it. But going back to the Constitution proper, when you just read what the limited role of each branch of government is, what their expected jobs are, what they can do, what they can't do, what they shouldn't be doing, when we allow them to do more, even if we think it's for the good, we're simply allowing them more power that eventually we get used to letting them have so we don't question it anymore, and they get used to having it so they start looking for more. The proverbial slippery slope that we so often talk about. When you stand up today, when you attend a activity, whether, whether you're doing it with the family as a cookout, or if you're hanging out with friends at a local restaurant or bar, whatever it is you're going to do, enjoy your day. But remember, what it means to be a patriot is to have love for this country, not for its government. You can dislike the government all you want. You can disagree with the form of government we have, but then you're not such a great American. Because this is what America was about. The Constitution is our Constitution. It's one of the best documents to ever be created for people that want to be free. Freedom comes with certain risks. Freedom comes with certain occasions where the deck that is stacked against everyone is going to work for somebody you know, but end up crashing down on you. And it may seem unfair, but that is the primary unwritten rule of life. 
It's not fair. It's not supposed to be. You're supposed to make the most of it with the tools you're given and the opportunities that you have. And I dare anyone to step outside of this country and find a place where you have more opportunity, regardless of what skin color you are, regardless of what religious faith you claim, regardless of any other factor in your life. Show me where you have more opportunity. If you can do that, then I will tip my hat to you. And I'm currently wearing my Island Locals hat from the fine folks at Island Brands. Not really intending to do a pitch right now, but lots of time I'm wearing the Instock hat, the Einstock, because I'm drinking like a Viking. But today I'm keeping it completely crushable because it is Independence Day. So Island Brands Coastal Loggers are phenomenal. So if you haven't found them, all you have to do is look at my social media lines and you'll find a link to help you find them. Okay, just, just throwing that out there. So with all of that in mind, what does the fact that the AP, the Associated Press, coming out, their first article of July 4th, 2023, of Independence Day 2023, what does this tell us about where the Associated Press is, where the rest of the mainstream legacy media happens to be? Well, right where we've known them to be all along. They are still anti-American. They're still trying to push the America last agenda. They're still trying to push the fact that those of us that are willing to stand up, to speak up on behalf of the founding principles of this country, that we are somehow the bad guys. And in order to prove them wrong, we have to take the first step of combating them in the marketplace of ideas. That's where we need to be fighting this fight. It's not too late to win that battle there. The hearts and minds, particularly of young people, are still accessible. That's why the left is pushing so hard, trying so very hard right now to reach a younger and younger audience while they're trying to take over public schools at the earliest grades, while they're trying to indoctrinate instead of educate. Why they're doing these things is so that we have less and less of an opportunity to bring them back to common sense and back to reality. We can win this battle in the marketplace of ideas. We can win the battle of the ballot box. And as long as we fight those battles there and keep pushing, remind everyone that there is an alternative to Bidenomics, that there is an alternative to globalism that leads to individual destruction and permanent class of misery for everyone. If we can do that, and we certainly can as long as we make the effort, then we don't have to take that next step. We don't have to revisit some of the darker chapters of our past. And one more time, I'm going to reiterate this point. I said it earlier, it may have just blown right by you, but it is an important point that even for those that buy into the notion of the 1619 Project, even if you think that's real, which it's complete bunk, by the way, but if you buy into it, you need to understand 
that the spirit of 1776 trumps 1619, that it overcomes it, that it's the first step towards reaching those promises made in those founding documents. Because 1619, this was still just a British colony. 1776, this became a new nation, blessed by God, an idea for liberty and freedom. Before we slide into the mid-hour break, I want to take this opportunity to remind you that a big part of the spirit of 1776 is gun ownership. The Second Amendment, baby. We need it to protect the First Amendments and every other freedom and liberty that we are supposed to have. So, I must remind you that the quickest path down the road to tyranny is to give up your guns. And the quickest way to become a victim of crime, especially violent crime, is to not have your handgun on you when you need it. And that's why I have to talk about a mistake that a lot of us gun owners make, myself included. I know I've mentioned this multiple times. We'll purchase a holster that's just so uncomfortable we stop using it. And then... If that terrible, dark day arises, if we find ourselves in that situation where we have to defend ourselves, defend our family, defend our neighbors, our friends, or even just our property from someone that would do harm to us, then we're already at a huge disadvantage. And that was on us for for letting our guards down, for voluntarily voluntarily laying aside our God-given, constitutionally protected right to bear those arms. And that's why Vanish Holster is quickly becoming one of the most popular holsters in the country. They have thousands of customers that will tell you point blank it is the most comfortable holster ever, period, into the discussion. And Vanish Holsters will help you save money. A lot of those same customers will tell you that if you start carrying a Vanish Holster, you will never stop carrying tend to believe that they're probably right here because the Vanish holster is designed to hold about 99% of semi-automatic handguns. It's designed to hold two additional magazines so that you can keep those bad boys loaded and you can do a quick change if that bad, terrible, very no-good day should occur. You are ready. It doesn't require a tactical belt, so you're in a situation where that extra added expense of the tactical belt that a lot of us don't even think of when we're picking out that holster. Uh, well, that's taken out of the equation. So a second way that it saves you money. Now, beyond that, another way that it meets that range of most comfortable holster ever is it's designed to allow you to carry in multiple positions. So you can pick the position that works best for you. And it's not difficult to change those positions. It's just, it's a phenomenal product. And again, on this Independence Day, all I'm doing is asking you to take a moment to visit www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P to see what they have to offer. And by using the backslash T-A-P-P, you automatically activate yourself a $50 discount. Again, under Bidenomics, why on earth would you leave free money on the table, right? It doesn't matter if you don't place an order, but if you do place the order, you got that $50 discount. My goodness gracious, why would you not do that? All right, so with that in mind, 
Let us now take the mid-hour break. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this very brief break. Hi, I'm George Sinzer of Firefox News Online Productions, and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tap Into the Truth. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA My fellow Americans, did you know the United States government was designed to treat we the people according to the Ten Commandments? Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. The U.S. founders put together the 10 Bill of Rights to compel those in government to treat we the people according to the Bible's 10 commandments. Commandment 6 through 10 tells us that we should refrain from doing certain wrongful acts and that the commandments apply to each of us regardless of job titles. When we obey God's thou shall nots, Others enjoy the right not to be murdered, sexually abused, stolen from, lied to or about, nor have what we own coveted by people wielding or supported by immense government power. God's commandments 1 through 4 enables we the people the right to acknowledge and honor God publicly in prayer and praise in civic and community events. Commandment 5 provides the right for families to be secure in our homes. When government obeys the Bill of Rights, which are its Ten Commandments, we the people enjoy the freedoms to live as God intends under the blessed protection of His commandments. Bible-believing people know the Bible doesn't change, thus we understand the Constitution based upon it must not be changed either. I'm Ron Edwards. Bye now. These stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, Put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. 
Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akiari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free. The way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. If you make things better, all we gotta do is just come together. the take my hand and follow my lead to the promised land. of America. Yes, indeed. Let's go, Brandon. All right, before we jump back into uh, things, we've got one more sponsor that I need to tell you a little bit about, and uh, that, of course, is our fine friends over at Native Path. Now, Native Path right now has an Antarctic Krill oil supplement that is absolutely phenomenal. I've been taking it for almost a full month now, and uh, it's been working really well for me. I, I obviously can't guarantee you that it's going to work the same for you as it does for me, but I can tell you from my personal experience, it's working phenomenal for me. Now, if you happen to be worried about your heart, your memory, 
or even just your swollen achy joints, which was what my issue was, this Antarctic krill supplement could help put an end to issues with all three. It's been shown to support healthy blood pressure, circulation, brain health, as well as reduce inflammation, swelling, and joint pain. And there's no better time to try it for yourself. Just go to FixSwollenFeet.com to get 58% off Native Path Antarctic Krill. This krill oil is pure, it's effective, it's bioavailable, which just means it's easily absorbed by the body, and it contains a potent antioxidant that helps reduce inflation and swelling inflammation and swelling see i keep wanting to do that it reduces inflation i wish something would if krill oil was the solution to bidenomics <laughs> we couldn't keep this stuff on the shelves uh, no it helps reduce inflammation and swelling i swear i know the english language i really do anyway for a limited time you can go over and grab native path antarctic krill oil for as low as $23 a bottle, that's 30 uh, supplements. If you're taking one, that's uh, nearly one a day, that's nearly a month's supply. Uh, you can take up to two of them a day if you need to. Uh, but at any rate, you've got those uh, that level of savings available, 58% off. All you have to do is go to FixSwollenFeet.com. That's www.fix s-w-o-l-l-e-n-f-e-e-t dot com fix swollen feet dot com uh again just go check it out and then decide for yourself it's some, it really is working well for me that's all i can tell you all right so on this independence day we did get a bit of good news as a federal judge has issued an injunction that bans numerous top biden administration officials and various agencies thereof, from communicating and meeting with social media companies. Ooh, you mean the federal government can no longer deputize to use uh, Facebook and various other social media platforms like YouTube, for example? I would include Twitter, but I, I don't think the government's had the same level of power over YouTube since a certain event occurred not too long ago, the purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk. Hmm. Free speech, uh, still not 100%, but slowly, re well, I can't say slowly, it's happened pretty well, uh, but returning to the platform of Twitter. Anyway, this is still good news. They can't go after these social media platforms anymore, at least not directly, without violating this injunction. Now, is this going to stop them? laws don't stop these people. Ethics, personal or professional, don't stop these people. But at the very least, we have the judiciary standing up and saying, this is in violation of the Constitution. The federal government's not allowed to censor the American people in their speech, and they're not allowed to deputize private businesses to do so on their behalf. That is still an concerted effort by the government. Anyway, the injunction came in response to a lawsuit that was brought by two Republican attorney generals who, quote, produced evidence of a mass effort by defendants from the White House to federal agencies to, to suppress speech based on its content. 
this according to U.S. Judge Terry A. Doughty. Now, Senator Eric Smith, a Republican from Missouri, who filed a lawsuit against the lawsuit while he was still serving as Missouri's Attorney General, filed the, the lawsuit against the lawsuit? I, I'm missing something there. Anyway, uh, he, he filed it while he was still <clears throat> Missouri's Attorney General. He responded to the news by calling it a big win for the First Amendment on this Independence Day. And you know what? Uh, he's not wrong. It is exactly that. White House officials, CDC, and others are stopped cold. We need to continue to fight to take down the vast censorship enterprise. Their view of misinformation isn't an excuse to censor. This is the most important free speech case in a generation. Freedom is on the march. Well, Eric, you've got all that correct. Cannot disagree with you anywhere in that logic. Now, the lawsuit filed by Missouri and also one by Louisiana accused the Biden administration of pushing social media companies to censor content related to the coronavirus pandemic. As you all know, if you said anything uh, that was outside of the approved narrative, you were condemned, you were booted off, and you were marginalized, if not flat out canceled. Now, the state said in their lawsuit that the Biden administration's actions were, quote, the most egregious violations of the First Amendment in the history of the United States of America. The judge, who just so happens to be a Trump nominee, yeah, as this seems to matter ever so much these days when it comes to the, to the judiciary, the judge did allow for some exceptions for Biden officials to have contact with social media companies, including informing them of posts involving criminal activities or criminal conspiracies, national security threats, extortion, or other threats, and crimes related to U.S. elections. Now, this is still essentially a breaking news story at the time of me bringing this to air. Those exceptions seem reasonable, right? Uh, I mean, when you just say them out loud, when you don't put much thought into it, if you were to believe, if you were to buy into the notion, the concept, the very... <sighs> notion that we can trust our government to do the right thing. Because again, when we say it in these terms, we're not really talking about the government. We're talking about the people in positions within the government. For the same reason that I continue to make the argument that there is no systemic racism in this country, because the system is set up to fight against racism. The system is set up to not permit racism. These things still occur sometimes utilizing the levers of power to hold people back, not because the system is designed that way, but because of individual personal corruption. And that's ultimately where we have to keep a close eye on these. Because when you give them an exemption like this, oh, when it comes to uh, crimes involving elections, the left Certainly, uh, the Biden administration falls clearly within that description, 
it's quick to try to turn anything you say into criminality. So the fact that I'm willing to sit here and say on the air that I do firmly believe that there were shenanigans that changed the outcome of the last presidential election, that there are, in fact, provable levels of shenanigans that was carried out by social media, like the squashing of the Hunter Biden laptop story, that these are shenanigans. These did affect the outcome, that this was a direct result of election interference. The fact that I'm willing to say that on air right here to you now means that in their minds, I'm a criminal. I'm spreading misinformation or disinformation or whatever their excuse is. And again, as we've seen here recently, the left is willing to try and criminalize that, as we've seen in Michigan. Literally setting the standard for a jail sentence, the fact that someone felt threatened by what you said. If someone is involved in these efforts to push forward tyranny, even though most of them don't even see it as tyranny, they just see it as them trying to do what's best, them justifying the means by whatever the ends may be, them trying to, to say that they are coming from a place that's moral, so, you know, it's wrong to just randomly punch someone in the face, but it's okay to punch a Nazi mentality. It's like if punching someone in the face is wrong, then punching them in the face is wrong. You don't like what they're saying. You don't believe what they're up to. Uh, then there are other ways to deal with it. Punching them in the face is wrong. If you think it's okay to punch a Nazi, then it should be okay for anybody to punch anyone else. If they firmly believe the other person's wrong. I'm not looking for you to set a standard. I'm looking for you to uphold the standard you've set. That, to me, seems logical. That, to me, seems reasonable. This should be the standard. The federal government should not be involved on an individual basis, on a uh, directive from the White House basis, not from a directive from any agency of the government basis. None of this should be involved with direct communications with social media companies telling them what to do, what to say, what to allow, where to draw the line, uh, which accounts to target. None of that. All the things that we know did happen. None of that should be permissible. There should be accountability for those things. And that accountability should go as high as it needs to be and should be as serious as serious as a level of accountability as would be appropriate. Now, if you showed up at a meeting at Twitter before Elon took over and said, okay, here's a list of accounts that keep saying bad stuff about us. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you could, like, I don't know, shadow ban them, whatever. That's probably worthy of fines and a public slapping of the wrist. Don't know that that should require criminal activity, uh, criminal accountability, jail time, what have you. If you feel differently, I'm willing to, to hear your argument for it. I, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying to me, that's the level of seriousness, seriousness that it seems, mostly because we know already 
that a lot of those folks that were running the social media platforms that are on board with censoring you for saying things about COVID, that are on board with censoring you things for saying things about election integrity, that are on board about you saying things that are scientifically true, like a man is a man and a woman is a woman. If you're willing to do those things, you're going to be treated badly on most social media platforms because most social media platforms are run by people that feel the opposite. So my point is that we know most of these social media platforms were willing to go along with the government without any pushback, without much pushback at all, because they were probably going to do a lot of it anyway. They just got some cover. They just, in the event they got caught, in the event that it, it became such an issue with the users that enough people left their platform and then the advertisers eventually left because that's their biggest source of income because there weren't enough people still using the platform anymore, that they could just turn around and say, well, we only did this because this is what the government told us. That's all that was. It was cover. They wanted to do it. Or they would have pushed back. We've seen some of these companies push back against the government when, say, the previous administration was in office and they made suggestions. They weren't having direct meetings with these people. They weren't sending people to say, well, we'd really like you to do this or there'll be consequences. No, they weren't doing that kind of thing. And we saw them push back every time that anything was mentioned about, well, you know, it would be a lot better if social media would just, you know, uh, be fair across the board, uh, treat everyone equally. If you want to say, for example, no direct threats towards individuals as a standard policy, then okay. You want to stretch what you think a threat was when it comes to a conservative making a statement? Okay, you get to do that, but then what happens when some left-wing nutjob starts talking about throwing Nick Sandman headfirst into a wood chipper? Was there any punishment? Was there a slap on the wrist? Was there a strike given on the YouTube channel? Was there anything like that that happened? Was there a 30-day uh, suspension of the account? Was there a three-day suspension of the account? Now, we know those things didn't happen. We know Donald Trump was kicked off of social media, but the Ayatollah Khomeini was allowed to stay on, spewing some of the biggest anti-Semitic stuff on the planet, some of the most anti-American stuff on the planet, personally threatening American citizens that still believe in liberty and freedom. Yeah. So, again, this is a major victory for free speech in the country. It no longer it gives <clears throat> a level a new level of accountability because now you're going to be if you're caught and it doesn't fall into one of these exemptions, although they're going to do everything they can to try and make everything they do fall into those exemptions. Watch it the the way they will contact these folks. They're going to invoke these exceptions. But if you get caught violating this order, you are now officially in contempt of court, and there are criminal consequences that go with that. And that's the way it should be. This victory is symbolic. 
I will grant you that. Anybody that wants to say that, oh, well, Tim, you're, you're just ignoring the fact that it's not going to change anything. It is just a symbolic victory. Yes, I agree that much is true. But it is also, the most important to hear, a symbolic victory that we are moving in the correct direction again. We're moving back towards individual liberty. We're moving back towards freedom of speech, freedom of expression. It's going to be slow and it's going to be pushed back again so very hard by the left because they feel every bit of advance towards destroying our Constitution, towards destroying our liberties, being just smashed. It's crumbling around them. They feel all of that ground that they took being taken back by liberty-loving Americans who are reclaiming everything from our actual town squares, which is now social media, to the judiciary and the House of Representatives now, and hopefully the Senate soon. We need to continue to minimize the amount of socialist fascists that currently reside in seats within the House as well. Uh, the Republicans have the majority. But honest to goodness, originalist constitutionalists, people that believe in liberty first, that believe in putting the will of the American people and what's best for the people and, and actually abiding by and honoring the Constitution first, we need more of those people. Justin R. at the end of the name doesn't guarantee what we're looking for, but if there's a D at the end of the name, we can guarantee they're not what we're looking for. So we need to continue to make changes and make those numbers where we best can. We are sitting here on July 4th of 2023, Independence Day in America, at a point in time where our independence and our liberty, our freedoms, have been probably not under as great of assault since the days before the Civil War. We have a level of division that is so strong that we've not seen since the days before the Civil War. I keep hearing a lot of people try and make the connection to uh, during the days of the Civil Rights Movement. Now, we are way more divided than that. And the only reason they do that is because they're still trying to make race a thing. They're trying to make it seem like, oh, uh, all those mean old nasty conservatives, they hate people of different colors. They hate people of different religions. Uh, they're the bad guys. Please ignore all the evidence of all of our wrongdoing. Please ignore all of our actual statements that are if you think about it for two seconds, professions of guilt of racism themselves. We have to fight for affirmative action because these poor black folks, they just can't do it without our help. First of all, that's wrong. In fact, there's been plenty of examples through history that shows that for those that are properly motivated and that those that take full advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them can be more successful. You ever hear of Black Wall Street? There were horrific, dark chapters in art history where actual racists, most of which were Democrats, by the way, ended up attacking American cities 
because it was a shining example of the prosperity that black Americans can have in the American system. For somebody like AOC to step up and say uh, to, to any uh, potential running candidate, it is disrespectful for you to say that black Americans are not victims. Uh, black Americans in today's modern era, if they're being victimized, they're being victimized by the ideologies and the policies of Democrats. But they can rise above that victimhood by simply choosing to take advantage of the opportunities that the United States of America provides them that they would not get anywhere else. Don't buy into, if you happen to be a black American and you've been listening to all of these propaganda crap from the left, don't buy into the notions that you are a victim and cannot succeed without them. Take the time to look into true history. Scrape past uh, the propaganda and scrape past the, the deep dive rabbit holes and YouTube and look up Black Wall Street. Learn the truth. And yes, see the dark, terrible side of what happened as a result, but see what the point is. And one more time, even if you buy into 1619's propagandic lies and bovine excrement, Remember that the spirit of 1776 trumps it. I know, that's like the fourth time I've said that in today's broadcast. But it's so important to remember it because it's true and it gets ignored a lot. All right, let's reset the hour as we are quickly coming to the end of this one. Uh, please don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this very uh, brief break.
alone Or you fear your life will end No, you've got 300 million friends For everything you've done I see you're in our This is Kathy Barnett, the National Grassroots Director for the Vivek 2024 Presidential Campaign, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us as we reset the break. Of course, the uh, song, the full song that we played for the reset this time was For the Heroes from Matt Fitzgibbons, one of the many great songs that you can find when you visit him over at PatriotMusic.com. And it seems appropriate that we remember all of the American heroes. And Basically, that just means if you love this country and you're willing to do what it takes to be a productive member of society, then you are an American hero, whether you get the fanfare for it or not. And you are worthy of it. And it's important for us to remember that on this July 4th. 2023 Independence Day in America. Thank you so much. God bless America. And America, please bless God again. We need to make that return. Thank you so much for being here. Before we jump back into the next story of the day that I wanted to talk about, I wanted to take a moment once again to remind you about our friends over at 4Patriots.com. Uh, yes, that's right, 4Patriots. They are a fantastic company. They're based out of uh, Tennessee, uh, close to Nashville, and they have warehouses out in Utah, so they're able to get their products to you uh, relatively quickly, depending on, uh, regardless of what part of the country you happen to be in, and uh, they've got so many great products that are designed to really help you to fully be self-sufficient, and as I've said a hundred times, uh, even well before 4Patriots became a sponsor of the program i told you for a long time that being self-sufficient is a vital part of being uh, self-reliant and having self-sufficiency is a big part of being uh, right there for your true full-fledged liberty you know in order to enjoy individual liberty you have to have individual accountability and that accountability it means respect for yourself, respect for others around you. It means being prepared, and that's where that self-reliance comes in. Four Patriots goes a long way towards helping you with that, whether we're talking about emergency backup electricity, uh, when the grid goes down for whatever reason, and regardless of for how long. If you're talking about needing emergency food supplies, survival food kits that are among some of the best tasting and rated to last for 25 years if you need them to. Easily stackable, uh, easily storable, phenomenal stuff. Or even if you're talking about simple water filtration, a gear that's helpful if you just want to go 
camping over a long weekend. Just so many great items that are available that are multi-use that certainly will help you to be fully and completely self-sufficient for Patriots has got you covered. And all you got to do is all I'm asking you to do. And that's a visit them over at 4 and then see everything going on there. And once you get there, you see something that you absolutely positively cannot live without when you place your order. Please remember to use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Save yourself 10%. And right now under Bidenomics, who the heck can't use a discount? Uh, please, please, uh, Get your stuff and save yourself some money while you're at it. Uh, one more time, that's the number four, patriots.com, and use promo code TAP at checkout. That's T-A-P-P to save yourself 10%. Okay, so I alluded to this back in the first hour, and we're going to spend a little more time talking about it here in the second hour because I've got an additional point to make. Uh, I haven't heard anybody else making this point. Doesn't mean someone else hasn't yet. I think it's a pretty obvious one, so I'd be surprised if somebody's not saying this. And if they haven't said it by now, uh, they will be saying it soon, okay? Because it, it is a pretty obvious one. But because I haven't heard anybody point it out yet, I feel like it's necessary. And if there's anybody out there that has already done it, then hat tip to you. And apologies, I just haven't heard you say it yet. See... <sighs> The Democrats are really, really upset right now with the Supreme Court, mostly because it's actually working the way it's supposed to. But I'll come back around to that. A lot of these Democrats are now reviving uh, their calls to pack the Supreme Court with liberals. Uh, of course, it started last week after the court's conservative majority decided several cases the wrong way. At least that's the way the liberals saw it. This past Thursday and Friday, the Supreme Court handed down three decisions on multiple closely watched cases. The court ruled against Harvard and the University of North Carolina's race-based admission policies. It ruled in favor of a Christian graphic designer who did not want to make wedding websites for same-sex couples. And the court struck down Joseph Robinette Biden Jr.'s student loan forgiveness program. Because it was unconstitutional. And uh, Nancy Pelosi said as much. In fact, you know what? Uh, before I go any further, I feel the need to remind everybody what Nancy Pelosi said about that. Here's the thing. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. But the, the difference between the president, do, president can't do it. So that's not even a discussion. That's not even a discussion. Nancy Pelosi told you as much. And she's not exactly a fan of the Constitution. She just happens to know that that's what the Constitution says, that that is a congressional power, not an executive branch power. And so... There you have it, boys and girls. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. And the Supreme Court recognized it for what it was. And, again, rightfully so. But not according to the left. Oh, because it's not fair. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, 
Democrats and political leftists raged at the high court, some of them even calling to expand the court's bench to dilute the conservative majority, which was cemented by former President Donald John Trump. You know, the orange man who was bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Yeah, that guy. See, he got three constitutional picks. He got to nominate three justices for the Supreme Court that all eventually got confirmed. And all three of them are generally thought of as being conservatives, although an argument can be made as to exactly how conservative all three of them are. Uh, now, they're still good judges. They're very good justices. And I think most of the time they come down on the side of what is, in fact, constitutional. I, I don't want to sound like I'm being negative towards any of them, but all three of them have had moments during their judicial careers that you have to kind of say, oh, how is that constitutional? Anyway, as I briefly mentioned in the last broadcast, Adam Schiff uh, has got plans for how to work around it. He said that it would not be extreme to add more justices, even though even Nancy Pelosi has said that it would be. Even Joe Biden has said that he would really rather not because he doesn't think it's a good idea. Now, that'll probably change as the pressure mounts to do something because they can't have the court working like it's supposed to. The court's just supposed to give them whatever they want. That's, that's what they think. Quoting here, expanding the size of the Supreme Court isn't extreme or unprecedented, but the opinions of this court certainly are. Uh, again, this is Adam Schiff, uh, the fictional writer who constantly told us over and over and over again that he has seen very damning evidence of Russian collusion that evidently never existed. Now, the fact that Adam Schiff says this doesn't exactly surprise me, nor does it concern me, because it's not like Adam Schiff has a lot of power. Schiff, of course, repeated his call to pack the court in an email to supporters of his Senate campaign, because he's trying to raise money off of it. But he switched the language, dubbing it unpacking the court. Now, I'm sorry, if you're adding more to it, then you're packing. If you're going to reduce the number of justices, that would be unpacking the court. And then I would think if you unpacked starting, well, anyway, I'm not going to go down that path. He's just trying to raise money. And this is something Democrats do a lot. You notice that whenever they're in charge, they don't do a whole lot to try and change what they seem to be the biggest problems. Because, again, like most politicians these days, regardless of the letter at the end of their name, they need issues to run on. So if you ever solve one of these problems, then that's one less issue. One less thing that you can campaign to raise money with. One less thing that you can campaign to get reelected on. At some point, you would think their constituents would start to say, well, you've had years and years to try to fix this problem. Nothing's getting any better. Maybe we should vote for someone else. But for some reason, that just doesn't seem to happen. Uh, go figure. Anyway, quoting from said email, <clears throat> We must unpack the court by expanding the number of justices on the court, instituting term limits, and 
enacting a code of ethics like every other federal court. See, here's the problem with that. There is, in fact, a code of ethics that these Supreme Court justices are expected to abide by, and they typically do. We even saw uh, some of the justices recently recuse themselves from certain uh, of these decisions because they had personal connections to what's going on. Now, of course, uh, AOC and Schiff and several other Democrats now are desperately trying to convince you that the most conservative of justices on the court are in the pocket of Republican donors. Even though they've never had a case in front of them that would have directly affected these individuals or those individuals' business interests or even those individuals' political views that could eventually affect them down the line. So the argument's pretty thin, and a majority of the justices still believe that Clarence Thomas, for example, who's been most recently accused of this rather heinous activity, uh, they're all on his side with this. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to enjoy life and accept invitations from friends to go do things. I mean, becoming a Supreme Court justice does not mean that, okay, when court's not in session, you're not allowed to have a life of any kind because any interaction with people might actually compromise you. Now, you need to look at actual instances where their behavior and how they voted and how they aligned on the court is extremely different from what their long-term pattern of judicial thought might happen to be. That's when you can start raising an eyebrow, when you can start asking a question. Now, we don't want the appearance of impropriety. Uh, we talk about this a lot for office holders. Okay, well, maybe it's just me talking about this a lot for office holders, but the point still stands. The mere appearance of impropriety is a significant thing, and it's usually, in decades past, been enough to end a political career, or to at the very least force a pause on a political career. Office holders have had to step down or have had to end campaigns based on the appearance of impropriety. The very notion that you have Hunter Biden running around accepting huge bags of cash from Ukrainian oligarchs and from Chinese uh, individuals with strong ties to the CCP would have been enough to force Joe Biden to have stepped down, to have resigned of his own accord, not based on anything other than wanting to not create the scandal or the appearance of scandal. You're getting in the way of pushing the agenda forward. The problem is they don't have anybody else to step in. I mean, they had to go to the bottom of the barrel to get Joe Biden that seems at least agreeable to the majority of the American people as it is. And we're talking about a very thin majority when we say it. We're talking about 50.0001% of the American people. And that number is quickly shrinking, by the way, as more and more people realize what a ridiculous mistake it was to put this guy into the White House in the first place. Because if you take all of the criminality and all the corruption out of the equation, because of course most of that's still just allegations at this point, Tim, if you were to do that, just his current state of mental capability should have already had him removed from office. 
should have been removed from office just based on that alone. But to know that he was already in bad shape when he was running. When you would see the early stages that continue to advance, that continue to get worse, it was this is a form of elder abuse to put him in that position. And to now expect him to run for re-election, again, because you just don't have the kind of bench that's there, because you just don't have a legitimate candidate behind him. Gavin Newsom can't polish himself fast enough to prove that he's ready, and they don't have anybody else that might possibly fit the bill of what they're looking for. Uh, come on, Kamala Harris sounds like she's always talking to a third grader. Possibly the most untalented politician in the history of American politics. Possibly. Not necessarily. Arguably, at least top three. But I think probably is the worst. Pete Buttigieg? Well, some folks like him because he checks a couple of those boxes, but the problem is he doesn't check enough of those boxes, and he too seems pretty inept and incompetent, and unfortunately, that's a lot of what's near the top of the Democratic Party now, because they've been promoting people up. They've been failing people upwards for a while now. You have to be inept, because you, if you're actually capable enough of doing the job and understanding what the job means, then that means you're probably going to start pushing back against the party at some point, and they just need yes people, so they need completely inept individuals. Anyway, uh, circle back to this. His statement about unpacking the court by expanding it is, of course, a juxtaposition. It shows that he's not capable of making a logical argument in the first place, but he's going to try to play it off like, oh, this is just a creative writing choice. I'm just trying to, to set it in your mind. I'm using a marketing technique where it seems like a juxtaposition, but we're really undoing the damage of a Trump pet court. Whatever. It's stupid, which is exactly what we'd expect from Madam Schiff. He continues in his little email saying, quote, I've spent years talking about the need to expand, unstack, and reform the Supreme Court after Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell stacked it with partisans, uh, which again is not true. But anyway, back to quoting, this week we saw firsthand the consequences of its imbalance. Yeah, we actually saw a return to constitutionality. Oh, no, the horror. Well, I mean, it is kind of horrific if you happen to be a leftist, like Shift is. It means that he might sometime in the future, possibly near future, be held accountable for his public lies, something more than being censored, <coughs> which, of course, he was, and they acted like, oh, well, this is a badge of honor to be censored by this house. <laughs> no, it's not, Adam. It's a level of accountability. The censor resolution accused Schiff of misleading the American public about Trump's supposed ties to Russia. While leading the House Intelligence Committee's investigations into Trump, it accused him because that's what he was doing. Your badge of honor means that you were lying to the American people. You must be so proud, Adam. And you're still lying to the American people in so much as saying that, oh, no, this is a terrible court. These are terrible rulings. It is terrible for you in the way you see it because it challenges and undermines the power that the federal government is gaining. And you believe the Democratic Party is going to have control of that government. And once you're able to corrupt the government so far, 
There will be no coming back. And you think you're so close to that moment. You should be careful, Adam, because you and your Democratic cohorts may be right. You may be right being so close to corrupting our federal government beyond the point of repair, because what's going to happen? And good to remind you on Independence Day that the spirit of 1776 still beats in the hearts of a lot of Americans. And if you take it to the point where we can no longer correct the problem in the marketplace of ideas, where we can no longer correct the problem at the ballot box, then what comes next is not going to end well for you. It's not going to end well for a lot of folks, and that's why I don't want us to have to get to that point. But you are so desperately wrong. Member of the squad, Ayanna Presley, also said Sunday that packing the court should be on the table. We need to do this. Quote, I think everything should be on the table. Of course, she was on MSNBC, and she was responding to a question about whether she supports adding more justices. She seems to think that the Supreme Court, quote, has been emboldened in rolling back the hands of time, undermining and rolling back what should be fundamental civil human rights. Except, is that really what's happened here? Are these things that should be fundamental civil rights? Should you have a civil right to be considered entrance into Harvard or any institution of higher learning simply because of your skin color? Or should merit have something to do with it? And should you be imposing the idea, ingraining the idea, insinuating the very notion that your skin color might affect your ability to be just as meritorious? to be capable of earning that position. Is there something else you're trying to say? Because that doesn't sound like a fundamental civil human right. It sounds to me like you are fundamentally racist against people of your own color. I mean, really, Ayana, how did you get to the position you're at? Was it simply through affirmative action? Are you admitting that you're not qualified to hold the position, that you only got there because of your skin color? Or do you actually stand up with it as an example of the fact that in the United States of America, someone as dim-witted as yourself can still rise to power? Because you are very clever when it comes to some things, but you clearly don't seem to understand how the Constitution works to protect you and how it has allowed you here in this terrible, horrible, very no-good racist country to rise to a position of power. You are a member of the House of Representatives of the federal government for crying out loud. If systemic racism was so bad, you would still be somewhere. I'm going to stop there because I eventually will say something that I would not really mean, but you certainly wouldn't be where you're at. So, again, which is it? Are you admitting that that you don't belong there and it's only through affirmative action you got there? I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> she also added that, so everything should be on the table. Reform, expansion, what reform? They keep talking about reform. What is the reform? Do you want to add term limits to the... Uh, the Supreme Court, because I actually think term limits is a good idea for everybody. I, I didn't used to, and I think I've gone over this several times. I used to think that the best term limit for an elected official was uh, <laughs> elections. 
I no longer think that to be the case. I think there should be term limits on every elected and appointed position, period. Uh, even unelected positions like uh, not just Supreme Court justices, but uh, anything in the uh, administrative state. You should only be able to hold positions for so long. And if you spend so much time in one position, uh, you reach that full limit. If you can't take that next step up, you should just be retired. You need to do something different. I'm okay with that kind of reform. We don't need expansion. There's been good explanation for why the last expansion was enough. What we do need is a full return to constitutionality. We need a few more of these leftist activists out of the way. You talk about turning back time. What we're doing is we're turning back away from the idea that we should move to a socialist government, turning back away from the idea that the executive branch should have more authority than the other branches, turning back away from the idea that the judicial branch should have more authority than the other branches. You're supposed to check and balance each other having equal authority. The judicial branch is not a super legislature that can just hand you things that you can't get passed through Congress. The executive branch is limited to what it can and cannot do. It's supposed to be carrying out the laws that have been duly passed. Congress has oversight authority on a lot of what the executive branch is supposed to do. You can't have overstepping of the authorities that are specifically allocated, but you shouldn't be giving away authorities, you shouldn't be setting back, and you shouldn't be grabbing more power than what's allotted to you. That's where these people continue to fall into such repute. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has previously called for expanding the court, and she's on that again as well. She said just this past Sunday that she called for checking the power of the courts. The court's powers are checked. They only get to check your power. Do you not understand that? It's only when you do something that's unconstitutional that they get involved. You've had to have done something wrong already. And maybe not you personally, because a lot of this stuff happened well before AOC became a member of the House of Representatives. But the point of the matter is, they don't get involved until a law's been passed, a law's been signed, and then it's starting to hurt Americans. Of course, that doesn't keep her from saying, oh, we need uh, to put a check on them, saying, quote, the courts. If they were to proceed without any check on their power, without any balance on their power, then we will start to see an undemocratic and, frankly, dangerous authoritarian expansion of power in the Supreme Court. Oh, my God. How self-owning is AOC in this statement without even realizing it? She said this on CNN, and she has no idea how absurd the statement is. Some liberal academics are calling to pack the court. Uh, they want it done. Quote, Biden won't pack the Supreme Court, and it's killing democracy. That was a headline from Friday from Newsweek, one of their opinion articles from David Ferris. Happens to be an associate professor of political science at Roosevelt University in the Chicago area. Big surprise that anybody in that position is upset. It's killing democracy. Again, <laughs> we don't have a democracy. 
We're not supposed to have a democracy. Democracy is as simple as two wolves and a sheep getting together to decide what to have for dinner. Guess what? It doesn't work out well for the minority, does it there, Professor? Quoting again, with or without Biden, court expansion must become a litmus test for any Democrat who wants to pursue federal office. Again, Ferris just being obnoxious. The alternative is to spend the next 15 Junes learning which part of American public life has been needlessly upended by corrupt originalist fanatics. Okay, now let, let, let's, let's unpack that statement before I go any further. They're corrupt because they're originalists. Do you understand what being an originalist means? Now, I know if you're a regular listener, you do. I don't have to explain that. But just in case you're new, just in case you're just accidentally listening to the show because you want to know what some crazy weirdo conservative has to say about it, <clears throat> then welcome to the show first and foremost. But the originalist fanatics they're talking about are just people that believe that the Constitution was written for a specific purpose. It means that which should be followed based on the intent as it was written. Not that you should be constantly reimagining what it means in the modern age. Not that it is a living, breathing document. It is a living document in so much as that it can be amended. It can be amended because the founders of the country and the framers of the Constitution were in fact great men. And what made them great men wasn't that, oh, well, there are a bunch of white landowners, most of them had slaves. That's not what made them great. That's what we're constantly accused of. If you're a conservative and you believe the framers of the Constitution were great men, that's what you liked about it. No. What made them great men is the fact that, like all great men, they understood what the limit of their knowledge was. That they were not, in fact, experts on everything. They understood that they would, in fact, there would be times where we as a nation would make mistakes, sometimes from following the political fads, the winds of change, buying into wokeism, for example. But they understood that changes might be necessary in order to protect the liberty of the individual that was at heart, that was at the very core of what the founding of this nation was supposed to be. They knew that there would be future battles over slavery. The discussions are there. Read the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers. Read the letters that these people wrote back and forth to one another. That is information that is still available, and it is made clear that many of them wanted to fight that battle right at the jump, but they were afraid that it would soften the resolve of many that weren't prepared to make those changes yet, that would cause unnecessary divisions that would prevent us from establishing our liberty, our independence. The very founding of the nation acknowledged from the beginning that slavery was wrong, that racism was wrong, that they acknowledged right from the beginning that this was a nation that was intended to be built on religious liberty and individual liberty for all men, regardless of any way you wanted to divide us. 
not so according to David Ferris, not so according to Hannah Nicole Jones, not so according to every race baiter out in the country currently trying to make you feel like if you're a person of color, you are oppressed and you cannot succeed without the help of the government. Or if you are a white person, then you are an oppressor regardless of what your personal circumstance is. <clears throat> This guy thinks that to be an originalist, that automatically makes you corrupt. This guy thinks that this Supreme Court is just going to make it easier for Republicans to gain and wield power. You know, what's actually making it easier for Republicans to gain and wield power is the fact that the left is so fascist and so corrupt. People like you are out there trying to tear down the institutions that have made this nation great. People like you, Professor, are the problem, not the Supreme Court. Original, originalists are not fanatics, and they're not corrupt by virtue of being originalists. They are trying to save the republic, which is in turn what's allowed someone like yourself to rise to a position where you have influence over people. You'd not have that influence if it wasn't for the Constitution and its original writings. Meanwhile, most Americans don't support adding justices to the bench, although most Democrats appear to, to want to pack the court. Most people are like, no, uh, there's enough. About 55% of voters oppose expanding the Supreme Court to the magic number of 13 that most Democrats are putting forward, while 64% of Democrats support adding the extra four justices. And this is all according to a survey from last year from the Heartland Institute. Rasmussen is still reporting this because it was the most recent, most accurate posting that was done. This polling shows where most people are at. See, here's the thing. And here's the point that I promised you that I would get to before we uh, take the mid-hour break. And I'm running a little long on this segment because obviously here on Independence Day, it aggravates me to see so many people try to subvert liberty in this country and to subvert the founding, to subvert how our Constitution was designed to work. In order for you to accurately judge how well something is working, the reason why so many people on the left are so upset with the Supreme Court right now, who thinks that it has to be fixed, it has something needs to be done because it's just not working. In order for you to understand, in order for you to gauge how good it is working, you must understand how it's supposed to work. How do we gauge how well our watch is working? Okay, well, we look at our watch. I know it's a bad example because a lot of people don't wear watches anymore, but we look at our watch. How well is it keeping time? Is it keeping time well? Does it still match up with uh, the time that you put on it uh, a day later, uh, two days later, five days later? Is it running slow? Is it running fast? We know that if it's not holding up well, then it's not working well, and it's time to make a change, either repair it or get a new watch, right? How do we judge how well our television's working? Now, that's an example everybody gives. Does it come on when we push the remote button for the power? Okay, well, that part's doing it. 
does it pull up the channels it's supposed if it's not doing those things then we know it's not working but we have to understand that that's the expectation right a lot of our friends on the left have been led to have the expectation that the Supreme Court is supposed to be a super legislative body to always find on their behalf. If they can't get something pushed through Congress, they can count on the Supreme Court to give them what they want anyway. When it was uh, primarily leftist, left-leaning justices, they got Obamacare passed. The challenges to Obamacare were ignored. Chief Justice Roberts said that uh, it's essentially a tax, and the government has the legal authority, the constitutional authority, to levy taxes. Now, the, the lawyers that were arguing on behalf of Obamacare, they constantly said, this is not a tax. But the justice had to determine that the argument from the people supporting it was false and that it was in fact something rather than coming down with an opinion based on the merit of the arguments put in front of it he had to change in his mind what it actually was and i would say unconstitutionally i would throw in there in order to find a way to make it happen to find a way not to strike obamacare down he had to change both the arguments from their supporters and uh, stretch to say that elections have consequences. Well, what you see now, lefties, are the consequences of elections. You put up candidates that were terrible, Hillary Clinton, very no good, terrible, nobody wanted her. In fact, she's not that popular even in the Democratic Party, never was. She's just a position, a person that held a position of power because she had wrestled it away. Uh, you can argue amongst yourselves as to why. I'll remind you that a good number of folks believe that it has a lot to do with the fact that uh, the Rodhams happened to be a founding member of the Bilderberg Group. And that put both Bill and herself in a position that they ordinarily would never have been in. You don't buy into that? Fine, you don't have to, but what other explanation can you come up with such an unpopular person who was not well-liked within her own party, accruing such power, mostly due to her family's power, and eventually becoming a candidate? She was terrible. She was horrible. She's not a good candidate. Nobody liked her, but you put her up against a guy like Donald Trump, and you figure, okay, well, this is a shoe-in because nobody's going to take Donald Trump seriously. And your problem really came to fruition when Donald Trump managed to convince a lot of people that uh, he was going to fight for the little guy. Whereas you guys, the, the Democratic Party, clearly don't anymore. But you got so accustomed to just getting your way. Uh, having the Supreme Court act a certain way, having Congress act a certain way, to have elections turning out certain ways, that when it doesn't work that way, you start trying to find ways to fix the problem. Because in your mind, the problem is you lost. Without understanding that there's times when you're supposed to lose. There's times when the Constitution is supposed to be the limiting factor. In each one of these cases that recently came out, it wasn't the justices that made the determination. It was the Constitution. The fact that you still had three justices 
that dissented with these particular uh, cases just proves that you have activists on the left. It doesn't prove that uh, if this was a liberally packed court that you should have won. You probably would have if you had more activist judges enough to overrule the conservative justices that are actually making their determinations based on the Constitution. But those constitutional limits are put in place for a reason, and that's to protect everyone's rights. That includes yours. You're just not happy with the outcome. When the government's working the way it's supposed to, nobody's supposed to be all that happy. There's supposed to be outcomes that come down all over the place because it's supposed to be based on the Constitution that is hearing everyone equally. And it is seeing the limitations that have been put on the federal government by said Constitution. They are legitimately upset, and a lot of them are legitimately trying to solve the problem. They just don't know how to define the problem. They don't understand that the problem isn't that they didn't get their way. The problem has been in the past that they've gotten their way too many times. They've gotten their way in situations when they should have never, when the Constitution's clear-cut there's no room for interpretation, but they keep trying to interpret. I wrote a piece not too long ago, although it seemed to be longer than I thought it was, about a concerted effort by members of the federal government to plan to break the law. Because they didn't like the way the judge, the courts had ruled. They already knew what the law was, but they put in place policies and executive orders to try to act in a certain fashion, waiting until the court would stop them. And they said as much when they put the executive orders in place. Biden has said on at least four different occasions that he knows technically he doesn't have the authority to do it, but he's going to write the executive order, and that'll at least buy time till it can work its way through the courts. Then once it finally does work its way through the courts, uh, this student loan debt bit, that's uh, a good example. Then he wants to sit around and challenge the courts. When he acknowledged at the beginning, he acknowledged at the beginning that the courts were going to strike it down because he knows he didn't have the power to do it. These people don't understand how the court's supposed to work, and they don't understand how the Constitution's supposed to work. And so that's why they have issues with it, and that's why we have to push back. Because if we don't, then we're going to continue to have issues ongoing with these folks simply not understanding. So stand strong and be prepared. That's what we have to do. Now, I have run way long in this segment. And we're still going to try to keep it at about two-hour mark. So before we take our late break, I want to remind you uh, once again about uh, our friends over at Vanish Holsters. If we follow the efforts of the left to fix what they see as the problem, we're going to find ourselves on tyranny's doorstep. We're already under a soft tyranny as it is from these people. But the quickest path to tyranny is to give up your guns. The fastest way to become a victim of crime is to not have your firearm on you when you need it. If that very dark day happens where we have to defend ourselves, our family, our neighbors, our property, and we're not prepared to do so because we don't have our firearm on us, 
then we're already at a huge disadvantage. And therein lies the issue with the mistake that a lot of gun owners have made, myself included. We'll pick a holster that's just so uncomfortable, we stop carrying. That's one of the primary reasons why Vanish Holsters is quickly becoming one of the most popular holsters in the country. They have thousands of customers that swear that it is the most comfortable holster ever, period, in a discussion. And a lot of them are also willing to say that if you start using a Vanish holster, you'll never stop carrying. So, when you're looking at a holster that's designed to fit about 99% of all semi-automatic handguns out there, that's designed to hold two additional magazines that you can have uh, loaded and ready to go for quick change. It's designed to work without a tactical belt, so one of those hidden expenses that actually limits how you can carry, uh, that's uh, taken out of the equation. And is actually designed so that you can carry in multiple uh, positions, so you can decide which one works best for you. Well, then why would you not at least check it out? So here's what you need to do. Visit our friends over at Vanish Holsters by visiting www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. And be sure that you use the backslash T-A-P-P because that automatically activates a $50 discount if you decide to go ahead and place an order while you're there. And i got to warn you, if you're a gun owner like me and uh, you've had this issue with comfortable holsters in the past, you're likely to want to place an order. So go ahead and again, one more time, visit them at www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Do it right now and uh, you could have completed your order and have your new Vanish holster on the way to you before the end of the show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just When the first settlers arrived in America, the heavy influence of the Bible on their lives came with them. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, for many, their Christian faith was as much a part of who they were as their brave spirit was, and their faith impacted everything they did. This fact stands out boldly as one sees Scripture reflected in the individual colonies' statements of the goal of their governments. The Rhode Island Charter of 1683, for instance, simply states, We submit our person, lives, and estates unto our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and to all those perfect and most absolute laws His given us. 
in His Holy Word. In fact, from the first colony at Jamestown to the Pennsylvania Charter of Privileges granted to William Penn in 1701, where all persons who's professing to believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, shall be capable to serve this government in any capacity, both legislatively and executively. The Bible was considered the rule of life in the colonies, and I firmly believe that the principles in God's Holy Word was the foundation of greatness, which propelled the USA to a level of greatness never experienced by mankind before. If America returns to God's foundational greatness, we will prevent the greatest collapse in world history. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning Homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Hi, this is Rod Eccles, and you're listening to Tap Into the Truth with Tim Tapp. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, 
right, ladies and gentlemen, that's right. You've got to take a stand. It is Independence Day today, so I do hope that everybody is enjoying that time. And uh, I hope that as you continue to listen to this show, that you will also continue to enjoy the blessings of liberty. And uh, some of that means that you're going to have to take your personal health into your own hands. We've talked a lot about how woke has invaded healthcare at this point. And it seems like the medical profession no longer employs the idea of first do no harm. So you really have to go out there and find the things that help you to stay healthier for longer. Exercise obviously is good for you. And uh, vitamins, minerals, certain supplements, you'll find a lot of things that will be uh, very promotive of the quality of life. And uh, one of the really cool things that's helped me recently is an Antarctic krill oil from our friends over at Native Path. And after taking it for nearly a month now, I got to tell you, I have seen a night and day difference. A lot of swelling and inflammation that I've had to deal with uh, that's been problematic for me uh, for a while, especially since a, an ankle injury that I had a little while back that never seemed to heal quite right and left to swelling uh, both in and around my ankle, but also in my calf area, the same thing that's really kept me from working out like I used to. Uh, it has not been as much of an issue and it continues to do better. Now, I only, I've only been taking one uh, supplement a day. Uh, you can take up to two of these, but here's the thing. If you're worried about your heart, your memory, or swollen, achy joints like I was, uh, this Antarctic krill supplement could help put an end to issues with all three. Uh, it's been shown to support healthy blood pressure, circulation, brain health, as well as reduce inflammation, swelling, and joint pain. And I can attest to that last one. It's really helped me. There's no better time for you to try it for yourself. Just go to FixSwollenFeet.com to get 58% off Native Path Antarctic krill. This krill oil is pure, it's effective, it's bioavailable, that just means it's easily absorbed by your body. It contains a potent antioxidant that helps to reduce inflammation and swelling. And for a limited time, you can grab Native Path Antarctic Krill Oil for as low as $23 a bottle. It's a bottle of 30 pills, that's basically a month's supply. Just go to FixSwollenFeet.com. That's FixSwollenFeet.com. Check it out for yourself. Uh, obviously, I can't guarantee you that it's going to work miracles for you, but it has worked really well for me, and I suggest you give it a try. We've only got a few minutes left now to stay in the uh, uh, two-hour time frame, but I really wanted to sneak this one in uh, before we ended things. See, California's Reparation Task Force, it raised some eyebrows with a few of its recent proposals, namely suggesting that black residents should not be held responsible for back child support. <laughs> I, I kid you not, I wish I was. This is funny to me. You see, why, why should they be held accountable, right? Anyway, they shouldn't be held accountable uh, responsible for back child support debt and public urination laws should not be enforced at all. Uh, so I, I, I don't get this. Anyway, according to the task force final report, quote, discriminatory laws. Yeah, it's discriminatory to say, please don't urinate in public. <laughs> discriminatory laws are responsible for a large number of black children born to unwed mothers. Uh, resulting in higher percentage of black fathers who owe child support. Now, again, 
I'm going to have to call bovine excrement on that. If anything, it's the policies of the left making it more readily available to get government assistance without fathers in the house. That's led to more unwed. <laughs> anyway, additionally, the report determined that the state's 10% interest applied to back child support debt makes it more difficult for black fathers to further their educations while trying to keep ahead of payments. For those reasons, the task force has called for the interest on such child support payments to be waived and for black child support debt to be erased if the debtor is black. The task force, quoting here, the task force recommends that the legislature enact legislation to terminate all interest accrued on black child support. I'm sorry, on all black back child support, requiring only the payment of the principal owed. Uh, at a minimum, the proposal recommends that the legislature eliminate the prospective accrual of interest on child support debt for low-income parents. Uh, yeah, okay. Additionally, the report called for a total ban on police enforcing public urination laws, and again, because somehow that's racist. Arguing that the enforcement of public urination laws, as well as other public nuisance offenses, amounted to criminalizing poverty. The task force found that having police as the first point of contact raised the risk of confrontation that could turn violent. Advocating for a public health approach rather than one rooted in law enforcement, uh, the task force said. This disconnect often results in the use of excessive and sometimes fatal force that falls disproportionately on black individuals. Also, bovine excrement, but anyway. Uh, given the devastating impacts of this kind of over-policing, the task force recommends that the legislature uh, prohibit law enforcement from criminally enforcing public disorder infractions and other low-level crimes. So basically, just get out on the streets and act a fool. Uh, that's okay with them. Okay, so again, the soft racism of low expectations. That's what we're seeing here. It's inappropriate to uh, move this forward as being a racist thing, but they figured they're going to sneak it in while they can, and why not? Uh, what other choices do they have, right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to have to be it for today. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Happy Independence Day, everybody, and we'll close out today one more time with a full song from Matt Fitzgibbons. It's outside of the normal repertoire. This one's called Freedom. Uh, go out and enjoy yours. And uh, God bless.
set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is a specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends, our, our be- priests, bishops, and pastors refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? 
When Satan has told the people of this world, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war. And someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because you see by then we will have been so weakened from within spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price or better read than dead. Or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die in his feet. And therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know it and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Ridge have refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools and our beloved dead who gave their lives to stop the advance and the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all that you and I have the courage to tell our enemies there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which evil must not advance. In the words of Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid.